You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers fall on the road in Iowa City, 96-90 to to the Iowa Hawkeyes in overtime. The game was 75 to 75 at the end of regulation. Iowa proceeded to score 21 points on Indiana, many of them from the free throw line in overtime. This was another game where the Hoosiers led at the under four minute timeout. They led 68 to 64 and poor execution once again dooms the Hoosiers. And I thought Dan Dockich put it best in the second half when he said it's mind numbing. And I believe he was speaking in reference to James Blackman Jr. passing up an opportunity uh, to get the ball into Thomas Bryant and chucking a three instead. But he could have been talking about any number of issues that cropped up for Indiana in this game because it truly was another mind-numbing performance from the Hoosiers, riddled with all kinds of mistakes, mental errors, poor execution, uh, and once again, just kind of dribbling away a good lead and a good opportunity to get a win on the road. Uh, And on that very chipper and optimistic note, (laughs) we begin uh, this late night episode of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, here to break down this game for you. And uh, before we go too far down the track of negativity and disappointment, Let's begin this show as we begin every show with our Hoosier Proud banner moment and try and find something positive that we can grasp onto. And I'm going to take you back to about the middle part of the second half. Indiana had led 49 to 42. The Hoosiers actually did a nice job at the start of the second half playing less ugly basketball than Iowa in what was just a horrid beginning to the second half. But the Hoosiers, you know, they did some things and they got up by seven. Freddie McSwain was making some hustle plays. Iowa quickly erased that seven-point lead, and it was 51-50. to You got the feeling that the momentum was really starting to shift in Iowa's favor. And I thought Robert Johnson, after four straight really poor games, really had one of his better stretches of the season right after that and kind of showed some of that leadership that Tom Crean had been wanting. He got a steal right after that to get a dunk, and that made it 53-50. to Two possessions later, he had a really nice assist to Thomas Bryant. That put Indiana up 55-50. to Iowa came right back. They went on a 5-0 run. They tied it up. And what did Robert do right after that? He drained a three to put Indiana back ahead because at that point, Iowa hadn't led yet. And so that put Indiana up three. James Blackman Jr. would come down and hit a three on the next possession to put Indiana up six. That was probably the high water point in the game from from that point forward because Iowa obviously chipped that six-point lead away got it to overtime, and then obviously dominated Indiana in overtime. But at least for that brief stretch, we saw the Robert Johnson that we've been hoping to see more of, a guy active on defense, making plays on defense, making big shots. He kind of did his part there on the road to steady the ship and keep Indiana in control of a game that they had been in control of the entire way. Unfortunately, he and the rest of his teammates were unable to do that for the long term, 
and the Hoosiers ended up dropping this game. But for that one glorious moment, uh, at least it looked good. And that is our Hoosier Proud banner moment for tonight's game. And of course, our banner moment brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Hoosier Proud offers a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. And right now, we're actually co-hosting a one-week deal with Hoosier Proud that will get you 20% off everything at their store. That's all of their State of Indiana shirts, the Indiana Pink Floyd Hoosier shirt, the Abe Lincoln t-shirt, and of course, their complete line of assembly call gear. They have our t-shirts, uh, and that line of assembly call gear now includes the brand new zip-up hoodies that have the assembly call logo on them. Uh, and for this week only, you get an extra $11 off of your zip-up hoodie as well um, because it's the first week that they're being introduced. So check them out at HoosierProud.com. Use the promo code THANKYOU20. That's the numbers 20, THANKYOU20, to receive a 20% discount on your entire order. That's promo code THANKYOU20 to receive 20% off at HoosierProud.com. And that code will be good through February, Friday, February 24th. Uh, so don't wait. Go get 20% off anything you want at HoosierProud.com. Okay, well, let's make the extra pass, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we will go to you for your bottoms line on yet another Indiana loss. Uh, well, I was tempted for the sake of uh, sake of time, given how late it is here, to just refer people back to old shows from earlier in the season because you'd really pretty much just go down the the checklist of of issues, and they're all still there. Um, you know, IU jumps out to a thirteen point lead, fairly telling that I think at no point did I feel like that was safe and slowly that Iowa, you know, creep back into the game with terrible uh, zone offense with senseless turnovers, um, you know, dribbling the ball into the baseline where there's just literally no place to go. And, and really, IU got lucky on a handful of air balls that fell right into somebody's hands. I think that happened three times where IU got baskets off of, off of air balls. And it was, uh, it, you know, all too predictable. Uh, it, it felt like I agree with you. I thought Robert Johnson played really well. And um, I'm sure we'll you know, get back to him at some point. I think that was really one of the one of the lone bright spots. I mean, for the number of times and the amount of time that IU played uh, Deron Davis and Thomas Bryant together on the floor, um, you could probably you know count on your fingers the number of times they actually had a good you know post entry pass to to lead to any kind of offensive opportunity. And part of that was Iowa going to the zone in the first half, but that wasn't all of it. There were multiple times when those guys were open, uh, they were missed, and and you know either a three was jacked up or a turnover. Uh, followed at some point and uh and you started to see some of that frustration i think you really started to see you know when things started to go i was way there toward the end you really started to see the team kind of unravel with one another and the frustration really started to show and the you know kind of here we go again uh mentality crept up i know i i felt it um and you could certainly see it from watching these guys play and it was uh th there just became a point where it was like they're they're not coming back from this um they're not able to um, pick themselves up when when Iowa really started to, um, you know, make a run, and then in overtime really started to to jump out, and uh, it was uh, a pretty uh, emblematic performance of the same kinds of uh, frustrating issues that we've seen uh, all season. And uh, and I can tell you that I will not be uh, on the uh, on the show for the Northwestern game, not because of this, although that would be a good reason to, but um, because I have a father daughter dance to take my girls to, which is a far better use of my time than watching another 40 minutes of basketball at this team. I sure hope we get pictures of that. That would be something pleasant to lift everyone's Can we watch that instead this. of the game? Is yeah. that live footage of the father daughter dance? Uh, we'll even do a post game show. Okay. That would, Please, well, give us on, something on, but this. On, 
on virtually every level, that would be more uh, more enjoyable for sure. By the way, uh, Andy's Bottoms Line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. And if you haven't subscribed to Andy's new podcast yet, do it. Obviously, you know, the NCAA tournament talk uh, ramping up right now. Unfortunately, Indiana, not part of that conversation. But check A out A good way podcast. for people to get away from talking about IU basketball is to talk about the bubble and teams who uh, could make the NCAA tournament. Because they certainly yes. won't be on that show. No, they won't. All right, let's go over to Ryan and get his rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. I know I'm getting going to get typecast here, but uh, look, we're going to break down how bad Indiana played tonight, how this is completely, you know, this is their fault. They earned this loss. They played horribly. I do have to mention the officiating, though, because I think we all agree it was friggin' awful. Uh, and I will say this, and then we won't talk about it again for the rest of the night. But uh, let me just give you some numbers. Uh, let, first of all, I'm going to name the officials. We never actually name them. I'm going to because they just they earned it tonight. It was so bad. DJ Karstensen, Lewis Garrison, and Larry Sherado, uh were the officials. They called 35 fouls on Indiana, 22 on Iowa. Iowa shot 47 free throws. Indiana shot 19. Uh, Peter Jock himself was 22 of 23 from the free throw line. Indiana was 16 of 19. Uh, guys, get your stuff together. If you're the Big Ten, just get it together. Like Nobody fouls at a higher rate than anybody else. This kind of stuff is absurd. It did not cost in the end of the game. I'm not going. I'm not saying that. I know people on Twitter are saying, oh, you're making excuses for a bad team. No, this is a bad team, and they lost the game because they're a bad team. That doesn't excuse what we saw and if the, if the big 10 wants to continue to run a terrible product out there every night where every trip down the floor there's a foul for mild contact where you know it's uneven or one team gets way more free throws than the other one team has five guys in foul trouble indiana fouled out four guys tonight had another with four and two and three more with three iowa had one guy with four and nobody else had more than two i mean so it's 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 just not fun to watch. The game was so boring in that second half. A tight game that went to overtime in a conference game that Indiana had to win was a freaking snoozer. And and that's because you're killing the game by calling all these fouls, by slowing it down, by ruining any semblance of, of flow. And also, these officials were clearly influenced by the Iowa fans in the front row who were standing up and basically bear-hugging officials every time they didn't call anything, getting in their face and yelling at them, eject those guys. They shouldn't be able to do that. If I do that at a game, I should get thrown out. Um, I don't care how much those guys paid for their seats. They should get tossed out if they stand up and get in a ref's face. And the ref should be brave enough to actually put up with that and throw the guy out instead of having to deal with it all game and looking like an idiot. So that's my that's my rant for tonight. Uh, there's plenty to complain about in this game. The 22 turnovers, the awful play in overtime, uh, not getting the ball on the block like you guys said. But, I mean, you know, if you're the yeah, big because if you do that, maybe you draw some more fouls. I mean, Indiana could have helped a little bit. I mean, they Indiana could've. consistently is on the, the, the bad end of the foul disparity. So Sure. No, and, and what I would say with that is that'll get you three to five fouls, being more aggressive. That'll get you three to five fouls in a game one way or the other. It won't get you 35 to 22. Okay, and, and I realize there were some fouls late where they were, you know, trying to save the clock and all that stuff. But you watched the game, Jared. You know what I'm talking about here. Those officials were. I do, and believe me, I, I don't want to put myself in a position to defend Big Ten officiating. Mm -hmm. I just want to absolutely not let Indiana off the hook for anything. No, because no, no. this has I'm been a season-long problem. No, too, and I'm not, I'm not letting them off the hook at all. They lost this game because they're not a good team, and they went on the road and played another another team that's not a good team, and they lost because they're 
not a good team. It has nothing to do with the officiating as far as the final product. I'm talking about watching this game as a fan and how boring it was and how lame it was. We don't want to see officials blowing whistles. We don't want to see free throws. I mean, forget the numbers. Just, just, just add the numbers up. Forget the disparity. You're shooting 70 free throws in a basketball game almost. I mean, that's just that that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable on any level. And and so yeah, that's my rant for the evening. Now we can talk about how awful Indiana is and why they lost the game. Just, okay. just to just to throw more on the foul thing. IU committed the fouls were six nothing in favor of Iowa after the first eleven minutes. So over the over the final By the way, I was what is that? Thirty four over the final thirty four minutes, the foul count was uh IU with thirty five. So more than one a minute, which is really solid, and Iowa was sixteen. But I agree. I mean some and by of the way, was aggressiveness, with, but with, just wanted to just a little salt in the wound before we move on. Thanks. No, and and by the way, when Iowa when it was six nothing in favor of Iowa on the fouls, I was complaining about that too because there were a couple really bad calls there, and they missed two on Indiana. So I, this is not an Indiana thing, just or, an Indiana. Or when Bryant practically mauled the guy at the end. Yeah, the at the <laughs> end. I mean that I, clearly that they missed the call in the last play of regulation as well. I mean you know so it, it's not about. Indiana not being favored. I don't care about that. I care about the fact that I just watched a game that should have been exciting, even though it's two bad teams because of the end result going to overtime and being tight, you know, most of the second half. And it was awful. It was so boring to watch and so awful. And if the Big Ten wants doesn't want to fix that and wants to have a terrible product on the field, keep sending those three guys out to be officials. It'll happen every time. There you go. All right. Well, I have a rant of my own, and we're going to get to that here in just a second. First, I do want to take a quick minute Tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show that you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets, like tickets to this weekend's game against Northwestern. Saturday night, it is senior night. Colin Hartman will be going through senior night festivities, and I know that there is apathy and disappointment and frustration, but this would be a great time for Hoosier Nation to rally around itself, try and put some of those differences and frustrations aside uh, and, and send Colin Hartman out. Hopefully the team can with a victory, but also for fans to send him out uh, with certainly an appreciative reception. And you can get tickets on SeatGeek. Uh, and that's why they are the first place I go to look for tickets to a game or concert, because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. And best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off of their first SeatGeek purchase. The way that works to get your $20 rebate on tickets is you download the SeatGeek app, or you can do this at the website too. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and then enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly today. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down another loss for the Hoosiers. That is seven losses in eight games. Uh, the Hoosiers continue tumbling down the Big Ten standings. Uh, they lost tonight 96-90. to 90. And if you want to look for a culprit, look no further than, once again, the turnovers. Because this is a game where Iowa came out and they were just turning the ball over like crazy to begin the game. It was a big part of the reason why Indiana started out the first half so well and got out to such a big lead. And Indiana was actually doing a pretty nice job of protecting the ball. 
And then it all just unraveled, especially in the second half. And the Hoosiers finish with a turnover percentage of 26.3%. And you look down the line, Bryant had four, Newkirk had four, McSwain had four, a bunch of other guys with one or two. And I just, I don't even know what to say about turnovers at this point because it's been a problem all season. You know, it was a problem last year, but it got better as the season went on. Somehow it's getting worse. And I don't understand it. I can't possibly fathom that the coaches aren't emphasizing it. They're certainly paying lip service to it in, in press you know, gatherings, but nothing is changing. And in fact, it's getting worse. And I don't understand that. And I know, you know, you know, blame the coaches. This is on the players. It's on everybody. And this is what frustrates me about this program more than anything is you have this fundamental thing this fundamental issue, and it just doesn't get better. And we could talk about this with a lot of things. We could talk about it with defense. We could talk about it with feeding the post. There's a lot of different issues. Turnovers are just the most glaring and the most obvious. And it frustrates me when you see Tom Crean late in the game calling timeouts down eight points with 16 seconds to go, valuing every possession like it's gold. Hey, you know what? If we did that for the first 44 minutes and 40 seconds, maybe we wouldn't be in this position. And so for whatever reason, the message isn't getting from coach to player and being executed on the court. And it's one of the most fundamental things that there could be. And I'm just beside myself. I'm aghast. And I, obviously, we have no confidence in it getting any better for the rest of the season. But it just, again, brings me back to that same old descriptor that I've been using all season is that this just feels like a rudderless ship, a rudderless program. And, you know, I, I don't know what to do about it. So end rant. Uh, Andy, do you have any further thoughts on turnovers? Do you want to take us someplace more meaningful? <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to be anyplace else than talking about this. Um, I mean, it, it. I think what happened with Iowa at the beginning of the game is somewhat telling, right? I mean, it's easy to say, "Oh yeah, we really we value these things. This is important. We're going to get this fixed," and and rant about players and leadership and whatever else, and then have a game where Robert Johnson doesn't start and you move on. I mean, McCaffrey yanked all five of those guys off the floor. And sat him down, and they responded to that. Now, I'm not here to tell you that IU is going to respond in the same way, but where is there any kind of where is there any kind of accountability with that? Where just you know the same mistakes over and over and over again, with essentially no repercussions. Uh, and so, you know, there you have it. I, you know. I, I, these guys don't value the possessions, as you said. That has become clear, and uh, there doesn't appear to be anything that's going to change with that. So um, I guess I don't really have a, a better place to take it, but I thought that was an example of, you know, really we talk about this using the bench as motivation. We played 12 guys in the first four minutes, which is you know, borderline insane. But, um, you know, if you don't like what you're seeing, find somebody who's going to give you what you want, whether that's a young guy, older guy. You know, and then I felt at times he was going back to the well with the freshman guards who weren't really providing much of anything either. You know, Devonte hit a, a shot late, but you know, made a couple of the fouls on one of the fouls on Jock, where he's like, "You've got him, you've got him in great position, and you just reach in." And and uh, you know, I, I just don't understand what is actually being rewarded at at various points for for this team. Had yeah, and why, why not? Why Had not Duke play Freddie McSwain? I mean, Had Freddie Duke McSwain turned the ball over four times, but he had five offensive rebounds. At least he's out there doing something. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. What were you saying, Ryan? Sorry. I was wondering if Newkirk had fouled out that at that point because I don't even think he had anybody to go to. But I agree with you in general about that. You know, not necessarily specifically that play, but because I don't really think there were any guards left. Really, Curtis Jones maybe, but between the two of them, I want Devontae Green on the floor. Uh, I agree. I think McSwain should have played more in overtime uh, or at all in overtime. Really, um, you know, I, I just, I, I mean, we've been asking the same questions for several years now. I mean, you know, it's 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 almost to the point where it's just I I'm just fatigued of it. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it's this is over and and that we're gonna have you know a new guy with with new complaints to make about. Uh, unfortunately, you know, because everybody's gonna. I will be, take new complaints at this. I, point. I I totally <laughs> agree. These shows are running together for me. I couldn't tell you if you asked me to recount like the last three weeks of games in order. I don't think I could do it because they've all run together. I mean, I'm being honest. This is what I this is what I do for a living, folks. And I don't know if I could do it. Um, they all just kind of blend together, and it's the same problems every time. It's the same collapses. It's the same you know mistakes. And you've got talented guys out there that aren't that aren't performing up to their ability. And at some point, that's got to be on somebody's head. And and unfortunately for for those who like Tom Crean personally, uh, and I know there are a lot of you out there who like him personally. Not saying as a coach, uh, he's he's you know coached himself out of a job here, and and he's not getting any help from his players. But at some point, the coach has to step up and be the the adult in the room and and make things happen. And and you just haven't seen that over the last year. And there were other than last year, two years prior to that, he just wasn't you know getting it done. And so three out of the last four years, you've had a team sort of not getting better and not learning and not playing uh, up to its ability uh, talent-wise and not playing the way they're supposed to. And, you know, that falls on one guy. I mean, it really does. I mean, it's it's up to the players to perform when they're out there, but the guy who gets them to the level to perform at that level is the coach and the assistants, and they're not doing it. Um, so and, you know, and also, if this was a one-year aberration, absolutely. it would be a lot easier to put it on the players, but these are the same issues that we've been seeing you know, ever since 2013, and even some of those teams, you know, dealt with some of these issues. They just had so much talent, they were able to overcome it. And I mean, I think that's where the frustrations come from. By the way, if you haven't read the article at crimsoncast.com, I highly recommend that article it, just as a look at Indiana's program and why you as an Indiana fan, look, you're going to start hearing a whole bunch. Obviously, you're going to hear national media people, you know, defending Coach Crean. And look, you know, Coach Crean has done a good job at Indiana. You know, this isn't to just throw ice water on his entire tenure, but you're going to hear a lot of people defending it and suggesting that you as an Indiana fan should lower your standards and expect less because this has changed and that has changed and things aren't the same. And Bob Knight's not here and all of this stuff. Don't believe it ignore it. Don't let anybody tell you what this program needs to be or that there is something that just is some ceiling that's holding Indiana down. And no matter what coach we get, this is as good as we can do. That is such BS. Don't believe it. Don't buy into it. Keep the standard for Indiana basketball where you believe that it should be. And, and that's something that we as Indiana fans have to hold on to and that we are stewards of. So don't let any national media members who like to fly in whenever there's whenever there's turmoil in Bloomington tell you how to feel about your program. Yeah, let me jump in real quick because I have something on that. And I, I agree with you. It, a lot of national media guys are defending Tom Crean because they like him personally. When they meet him and hang out with him and spend time with him, they like him personally. And 
that's a similar theme. I know a lot of people who spend time with Tom Crean and say, you know, he's a great guy. He's a great family guy. He's really nice. He's, you know, the first guy to, you know, help you out if you're in trouble, all that stuff. So they like him. They want him to keep his job. It's understandable. And that seeps into a bias about whether or not he should still have his job. They make excuses for him, the injuries, all that stuff, the team not playing well. It's easy to go, it's easy to do. The same thing happened in San Diego years ago with a coach named Mike Riley, who now coaches at Nebraska. It, it, the Chargers were awful, and he was a, a, just a horrible head coach. Yet they kept him around because people kept saying, "Oh, but he's so good with the players, and they they want to fight for him. They want to win for him." It doesn't matter if you're not producing results. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter all those things you do that are positive if you don't produce results. Tom Crean has done a lot of great things with this program. He cleaned it up. He has the academics at the fo as the focal point of the program now. That's a big thing. He's pitching facilities. He's saying and doing all the right things about how great the program is and bringing it up to prominence, but he can't win on the floor and he can't get the most out of his players you know, don't believe the national media, believe your eyes. And, and, you know, I, I defended Crean early in his tenure because I thought that he deserved a longer leash than most guys because of what he was digging out of. And, you know, after a certain point, you have to stop doing that and you have to let for his sake too, he needs to go to another program that fits what he can do best. And this is not it anymore. And, uh, it's time, it's time for both parties to move on. I think. Yeah, man, I'm just I just saw a tweet with the Big Ten standings. Indiana now sits tied for twelfth in the Big Ten at five and ten with Ohio State. All that sits below them is Rutgers at two and thirteen. Is that bad? That's where I, we are. I, I have a feeling that's bad. Is that bad, that's, Jared? I haven't that, looked at the standings. It's, that's where we are. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk about. I want to talk about both James Blackman Jr. and Thomas Bryant. Uh, Andy, let's start with Blackman, who had eighteen points, hit a couple of big threes, but. I thought this was a James Blackman Jr. from freshman year performance. And I mean that because I thought he was shot hunting. I thought he played for himself more in the offense than he played for his teammates. I didn't think his defense was very good. You know, he did have the 18 points, but only two assists and one rebound to go along with it. So didn't do a whole lot else. Um, you know, we saw him pass up some opportunities to get the ball in the post, have some really horrible post entries. So the points were important and you need a guy who can go get your points on the road. But overall, I wasn't particularly impressed uh, with the outing from James tonight. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you, you said it well. You know, perhaps the reluctance to make entry passes uh, is explained by the couple that were attempted where th that were one, you know, he's five feet away from him. There's no way that he can get him the ball. And even then, he's not really in the post. And the other one where he basically runs him out of bounds, it leads to a, a run out for Iowa um, are the two that I can remember. And it, it, like I said, maybe it explains the, you know, the reticence to do that in other uh, other possessions, but yeah, I definitely thought he was you know hunting shots at times, um, and and the the offense was really kind of a, a little bit of a throwback to how it had been, you know, at times these last couple of years when it was working really well early in the game, you know, taking quick shots, getting open threes, and some of those I didn't mind, but there were others where it was just kind of a, a four shot. Um, you know, we've seen him be a good rebounder, didn't do that tonight, missed another blockout, the the one where um, Bear ended up kind of dunking on McSwain. You know, it was clearly his guy um, stood there just like the same thing at the end of the Minnesota game. And, um, it, it, you know, I, I just, it, you know, more defensive lapses where just complete lack of awareness, effort, all, all those kinds of things. And it definitely felt like a when things started to unravel, I'm going to go get some shots. If I make them great for the team, if not, 
then so be it. And I, you know, I thought it was interesting. I mean, you know, Ryan, if you want to jump in on this, I thought, you know, some of Dockage's comments about him, you know, saying, oh, I was really motivated by that message were uh, interesting. There's certainly no love loss there. If you've listened to him, you know, Dockage talk about black men at, at times, but uh, I think a lot of people shared the, you know, don't tell me, show me, uh, you, you know, belief there. And I thought that tonight, you know, if you really wanted to be, hey, I'm taking this to heart and doing, and, you know, doing the right things, making little, making the small plays and, and being a leader from that perspective, uh, I thought he came up short. Yeah, I it, look with James, I think that at this point in his third year, I think we just need to recognize he's a bad passer. He's just a terrible passer. And, and you know, given his high school career, that's not that shocking because he just was a scorer in high school, didn't care about any other aspect on the, on the floor, wasn't a great defender, has become a worse defender in college. And, you know, he's not a passer. It's just, and, and, and it shows up in the worst moments. And over time, when you need to feed Bryant the post, throws it off his leg out of bounds, throws a terrible pass out of bounds, Again, in clutch situations, you got a guy, he throws it to the corner to a freshman. Guess what? A freshman's going to drive in that situation if he has any daylight. And he, Devontae Green drove right into a, you know, right into a double team and, and turned the ball over. I mean, it's just, again, it, he doesn't play like a veteran uh, and he doesn't play like a guy who's concerned about the team. I think both of you guys nailed that. And, and it's sad at this point because he's such a talented shot maker. Um, but he, he's really never turned into the kind of guy that he's capable of being, which which is really sad. Yep. All right. I want to talk about Thomas Bryant. We will get to that here in just a second. First, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you why you should activate your free Assembly Call membership. Here are three quick reasons. Number one, it's quick and easy. So go to assemblycall.com slash join. It'll take you 15 seconds. Number two, it's how you get our best content. So by joining, you will get our six banner Saturday weekly IU news roundups, which aren't just good in season. They're even better for the off season. So you want to get signed up. So you're ready to get those in the off season. Uh, and our intern, Josh, has been doing a great job with the past few of those. Uh, so I'm sure he will keep that up. Uh, and you also get our detailed post-game analysis emails, which you will get even after this late game. You will have that in the morning when you wake up. Uh, if you can sleep after watching this nightmarish uh, game. And finally, it's how you connect with us in the Assembly Call community because only members can access our moderated post-game live chat and our discussion forum. So if you like what you hear on the Assembly Call, then becoming a member is the next logical step. Join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 96 to 90 loss to Iowa tonight. Gentlemen, let's talk about Thomas Bryant, uh, who spent a lot of the night not getting the ball. Uh, and on a night when Robert Johnson took 15 shots, James Blackman Jr. took 15 shots, Thomas Bryant took only eight. Uh, I don't have an accurate minute count for him, but he certainly felt like he was out there a lot. Uh, you know, and he did some okay things. He had three offensive boards. I thought he rebounded pretty strong tonight in most cases. He 11 boards, uh, had four assists at a couple of really nice passes. And really, you know, in the second half, he wasn't able to get a lot of looks down on the block, but he did hit that beautiful turnaround jumper, hit that nice three pointer. So, I mean, Thomas certainly showed his array of skills. And, you know, again, it's almost like we come back to this all the time. You know, Thomas needs to do a better job of posting up on the block and holding his position. The guards have to do a better job of being patient, but, uh, you know, uh, stubborn and, 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 and willing to get him the ball inside. And the offense needs to open up more opportunities for him. So, you know, it was just kind of a failure all around to get him more in the game. 
that's a funny comment, Ryan, in the chat. Yes, the turnaround jumper reminded me of Jeremiah April. For you longtime listeners, you will get that reference. Uh, those of you who don't, just know that a Jeremiah April reference in late February in an IU postgame show, not a good sign. The season's yeah, going well. let, you, let you know where <laughs> things are going. <laughs> not a good sign. Uh, Andy, your thoughts uh, on the night from Thomas Bryant, which to me is kind of an incomplete because I thought he could have done more, but I also didn't think he got enough opportunities to do more. Yeah, I think I think his struggles on the offensive end were uh, were not necessarily completely a product of his own uh, his own play. I do think though he really allowed uh, you know Cook in particular on Iowa to to get deep position at times. I mean, there was one time I remember he just I mean Cook ran down the middle of the court and basically like caught the ball inside the the charge circle. Um, and so I thought he really and even Cook is like there's a you know a picture of him really staring down. Uh, you know, Thomas Bryant, I mean, he really kind of took that matchup personally, it seemed like, or uh, really wanted to, you know, kind of show himself well. And I thought he, he, you know, did give Thomas some trouble on the defensive end. Uh, you know, otherwise, I mean, I would agree with what you said. It, the, the one possession, it was like he got frustrated with not getting the ball, then ended up taking a three and he made it. Um, but it was, it, you know, definitely some frustration. And I thought that really kind of got the best of him uh, at times. You know, the, the ball, he just, you know, kind of is mad about giving up a bucket uh, or the way I, you gave up a bucket, he just turns around, throws the ball right into, you know, Peter Jack's hands and, you know, fouls him uh, really just because he had no choice. I mean, that's just a frustration play. He just, it, he, he truly, he, when I said earlier, you know, things started to unravel and you just saw the team kind of start to crumble. I thought he was part of that and just, you know, wasn't really able to, you know, contain or like harness his emotions in a, in a positive way. And, you know, I I just thought he really emotionally, if nothing else, struggled and kind of let his frustration impact his his play overall. Yeah, yeah I I gotta say, Thomas he battled tonight. I'll give him credit for that. I got him at thirty seven minutes. I'm not sure how accurate that is. Uh, Twelve points, eleven rebounds, four assists, four blocks. He did have the four turnovers. Um, you know, one of one from three, three of three from the free throw line. Only took eight shots. I mean. That guy was fighting all night long. I mean, I realize, I agree with you, Andy. He didn't channel his energy late the way he should have in that emotion um, in a positive manner. But that guy was fighting for position all night. He was fighting defensively, even though he let guys get inside a lot. Um, he was fighting, and he was playing hard, and he was helping when he needed to help, and then recovering and everything and working his tail off and, and didn't get rewarded for it. Uh, the guys didn't find him. Uh, people didn't get him the ball. And, you know, I'll give him credit because he didn't do what we've seen sometimes from him and just take the ball outside on the perimeter and just try and drive it into traffic against that zone. Um, he he was disciplined and, and tried to get the ball through normal channels. He made some great passes from the high post, uh, you know, to Freddie McSwain at least once. And I think Jawan Morgan got another one. Um, but, you know, give him credit because he worked really hard tonight, even though he made some boneheaded plays late, as you pointed out. And, and really didn't channel that emotion. He uh, he did a good job fighting tonight. And, uh, you know, I, I wish more guys would follow that example. And I wish they'd just get him the ball. It seems like Deron Davis... I mean, Deron Davis gets better position than him. We've talked about that. But uh, it seems like he and Deron Davis were just ignored for large sections of the game. And those guys were working. You know, they were working hard. And, and you got to reward your big men when they work hard. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, that that to me was one thing. And I yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think Brian played terribly by any means. I... I for the amount of time that he and Davis played together, though, I mean, you're doing that because you believe that that's giving you an advantage on the offensive end um, because it's certainly putting you in a tough spot on the defensive end. And I thought they just didn't take advantage of of that at all. Um, 
not necessarily to the fault of those guys, uh, you know, as we as we said before. But it's like if you're going to play those guys, and you better get them the ball because you're going to give up points on the other end when you're playing the two of them together. Um, so you kind of got like the worst of both worlds in that scenario where they still have you know defensive issues with with uh, you know kind of covering you know whichever of them is covering the small forward or the uh, other power forward of the other team. But you also didn't get anything good out of it when Iowa really doesn't have a lot of size inside at all. So that to me was, I like playing those guys together. But if you're not gonna if you're not gonna take advantage of, then why bother? You know, I, I don't often agree with some of the things that Tom Crean says in his uh, in his post game press conference. And again, you never want to make too much of of quotes from post game press conferences. But I do agree with this one. He said we're making some mistakes that defy description. That is absolutely true. There's there's no question about that. However. What I don't like is him saying that the preparation was good, but just too many mistakes that are awareness and simplicity. Can, can either of you guys explain to me what that means that preparation is good when you allow Iowa's best player, their leading scorer, to score 35 points? I don't know. It seems to me if the preparation was good that maybe you would shut down what the other team likes to do the best, and maybe you wouldn't turn the ball over 22 times and have the I mean look I will grant Indiana came out playing well, and I don't you know I, that's so easy to miss in a game like this when you lose. And really, I guess it's utterly meaningless. But I thought Indiana came out with a real enthusiasm and energy early in the game. It wasn't just that Iowa was giving away possessions. Indiana was taking them, you know, and Newkirk had nine or seven early points. And Rojo made a, you know, had a bucket. Indiana got off to that big lead. But then, you know, it just slowly fell back into the same old stuff. And it just seems to me that if your preparation is good, that means your preparation over the course of 40 or 45 minutes, if necessary, was good. And I didn't see that. So I guess if the preparation was good, then it's all on the players, right? Or is it perhaps that a game plan makes sense or the concepts that you're trying to teach make sense to you, but they just don't make sense to the team because you're not explaining them very well? And at the end of the day, isn't that all that, all that matters? Not you know how sound your concepts may look on a blackboard or you know, in a synergy sports video, but how your team can actually execute them out on the court, and that seems to be what really plagues this team. But ultimately, that's all that matters. I think we've seen that when he talks about preparation, he means they had a good couple of days of practice. I don't think it has anything to do with the game plan or scouting report. I think I think what he means is that they practice well, they practice hard. Just based on his previous comments and then other things he said about it, um, you know, when he's mentioned preparation. So I don't think this is. Well, no, the coaches all got together. We had a great game plan. The guys just didn't execute it. I, I don't think that's what he means. I think he means. See, I ta- but I take it passive aggressively like that, and maybe I'm reading too much into it because I I'm think frustrated. I mean, just maybe based so. on maybe based so. on his other comments that he's followed that up with in the past. I'm, you know, I mean, we've been trying to decipher this guy's words for nine years. It's it's kind of mind numbing, but uh, to use the dockage phrase again, um, but. It's uh, I th- I think that what he's saying is that we practiced well for a few days and didn't convert what we had practiced into practice in the game, you know, into into use in the game, and that that's just based on his past comments. And I realize the wording is terrible on that because what you think is he's talking about preparation, as in we gave them all the right tools and then they screwed up. And I, I don't think that's what he means by that, uh, just based on what he said in the past. So I wouldn't take it that far. Uh, I would say though um, that. There are other things he should be talking about right now than how they practiced, and um, you know, and and he shouldn't act like he didn't see this coming because this has been the way they've been playing for weeks now. So to act like, well, I'm surprised we practiced well. Well, clearly, what you're doing in practice isn't translating to the court because you've said that before. 
I mean, I will say, in his defense, as someone who has to come on here and comment after these games, as he does, you kind of do fall into the same rut of saying the same things over and over again because every game is like Groundhog's Day. So I certainly won't criticize him for saying the same things over and over again because people who listen to this show are probably nodding along right now saying, yeah, you guys are doing the same thing. Well, yes, we are because the team keeps playing the same way. It's frustrating. Um, okay, I want to say something positive. Uh, which I know is difficult, but I do want to extend some more kudos to Freddie McSwain Jr. He did have the four turnovers, and Freddie McSwain Jr. just needs to never dribble. I mean, that's just that is what it is. We've said it before. He's yep. a he's a really useful player, though. I mean, he had a sequence of rebounds in the first half. One was a defensive rebound where I swear he jumped vertically. And then he just kind of floated horizontally to grab the rebound. It was amazing. And then he went down on the offense or on the offensive end and got another one. Now he had a turnover in between, so it somewhat negated one of the rebounds. But the guy played nine minutes. He had four or five offensive rebounds, depending on which of these box scores that you look at. And he had four uh, six points. And what you're seeing, he had two cuts to the basket where yeah, Thomas Bryant threw one. I don't remember who passed him the other one. It might have been Bryant too, but he caught it, went right up and scored. And that was something that earlier in the season, he was fumbling that pass out of bounds, wasn't able to convert. He's added that to his game, and it's getting him a bucket or two every night. And frankly, I think it was unconscionable that he didn't play late, because especially when Indiana is turning it over like they are, and everyone's turning it over, at least McSwain goes and gets you possessions back with offensive rebounds and is active defensively. So I, to me, I don't understand why he's not out there, but I wanted to, to throw some positives his way, because I thought outside of... Robert Johnson's kind of resurgent effort and, and some of the moments from Thomas Bryant. I thought Freddie McSwain was the other bright spot tonight. And I feel like we've been saying that four or five straight games. And it's a real credit to him for understanding his role. And for the most part, outside of when he you know takes one too many dribbles and one is too many dribbles, uh, he's really doing a good job. I didn't kick that to anybody. Andy? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. No, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I think he has you know, really kind of grown into a role. And for a team when I think we've struggled over the course of the season to figure out what the roles actually are, uh, I think his has is one of the few that has become more clear uh, as we've gone on. And if he can limit the turnovers, he really creates a lot of positive things. He's active uh, and, and does a good job in that regard. And and so, uh, you know, definitely good to to see from him and, and hopefully something he can build on next year into, you know, moving into that role where he'll, you know, come off the bench again. But I think, you know, we, we even said that at the beginning of the year, you know, if he can come in and be an energy guy for eight, 10 minutes a game, uh, I think you could certainly warrant, uh, as you said, him getting some more minutes given the, the current state of things. But, uh, you know, expectation wise, beginning of the season, if he come in and do that and, and do some of these little things that he's doing now. Uh, I think that's a positive. So hopefully, uh, hopefully something he'll be able to build on both for the last handful of games this season, but also uh, also heading into next year. Hey, by the way, Andy, I kind of stole your thunder with talking about Robert Johnson in the Hoosier Proud banner moment. But you are the president of the fan club, a resurgent day for the fan club. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, you know, early in the game. I mean, it was nice to see him. He, you know, he made a, a two point shot early, a layup and, and you know, one of the threes finally went down and it was like, well, maybe him just seeing the ball go through the hoop, made a couple of free throws uh, early on in the game as well. Uh, I, I thought that, you know, you could you could just see him start to feel more confident. Definitely miss some open threes that you'd love to see him make. Um, you know, one, I think, toward the end of, of regulation where he got a wide open look on the wing where he's been, uh, you know, up to the last few weeks, really, really reliable and making shots. But I thought, um, you know, in terms of all around game from him was was really strong. Uh, I think he had, what, seven points, six rebounds, um, five steals and, and 19 points. I, I think, um, yeah, if there's anything 
good to take out of this game. It's that he hopefully has some confidence back. And uh, I, I think everybody was kind of just worried about his his state of mind, given how he had played recently. So a, a nice bounce back from him tonight. And, um, you know, good to see him respond. Really played, uh, I thought, solid defense. Um, some, uh, you know, questionable questionable calls went against him. The one where, you know, apparently uh, if, if, the, uh, if the dribbler puts their forearm into your chest, um, that is now a blocking foul. So everybody watch Don't games get Ryan them. started. Don't watch get games the remainder of the week. Uh, yeah, with they, that they, in pass, mind, so. they passed that rule in the offseason. I didn't know you. You didn't hear about that, Andy? If, oh, if, man. If I must not have, I must not have gotten to that page of the rule book yet. That's a shame. So, no, I thought he, uh, I, no, I thought he, I really, I really did think he played well. Was was genuinely happy for him to, uh, you know, kind of get back on track. I think we all just talked about how, how much he was overthinking things and, um, you, you know, how he just looked like a shell of the guy that we saw for the majority of the season. So good to see. Uh, good to see him get back, and, and again, hopefully he can build on that uh, in these last few regular season games. Yeah, he looked like he was having fun playing basketball again, which was nice to see. Uh, let's talk about Josh Newkirk, whose game tonight really was a microcosm of Indiana's entire season. Started out like gangbusters, but those seven points in the first uh, four minutes of the game, I think he finished with 11. Uh, didn't do a whole lot after that. You know, Had a couple of rebounds, a couple of assists, but four turnovers, um, and really struggled to get anything going in the second half. Uh, and Ryan, you have an observation about why that might have been. Oh yeah, the zone killed his. The Iowa zone killed his offense. I think that uh, they actually went to the zone to stop his driving. I, I think that was the whole point. Uh, I mean, uh, Indiana was getting stuff inside the three point line, but I think that that was why they went to it is because Newkirk was carving them up. Uh, I got to give Newkirk credit. I mean, if you look at the whole of the game, yeah, the last mm, I'd say thirty minutes didn't do a whole lot on offense. Uh, but I will say that you look at the guy now and he's completely different from the guy we were bagging on at the beginning of Big Ten season and we were kind of wondering why he was playing. He has a lot of energy and he's definitely found his role in this system. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are warts. He does turn the ball over too much. He drives into traps. He's done that a couple times. But I thought that overall, I mean, he's been easily the most improved player on this team. I think Freddie McSwain would probably come in second on that list. Uh, but he's easily been the most improved player, and he's playing with confidence. And he's playing with speed, which is something nobody, none of the other guards seem to do. He catches the ball on the inbounds the way Yogi did on a sprint. And he's ready to go and ready to bring it up. And, you know, he's, he's still kind of on that on that line of maybe playing too fast when he does that. Um, you know, it takes time to master that, but I got to give the guy credit for certainly upping his game as the season's gone along and, and playing much, much better. Last point, just about players from this game. I'm worried about Curtis Jones. Uh, and not just because, you know, he's struggling and kind of struggling with a shot and just seems out of place. Like he, j he seems uncomfortable every time he's on the court. Like he doesn't quite know what to do. You know, he gets himself in bad positions, you know, dribbling just seems totally out of sorts. And, and I know you don't want to overrate body language and stuff, but just when you see him walk on and off the court, I don't I can't remember a guy who's looked so joyless being out there. Um, and so just, you know, kind of one of those gut feelings, just watching a guy um, obviously disappointing, considering where he came from at the beginning of the year. Like, I'm actually worried that if Indiana were in the NCAA tournament discussion, that the tournament committee would look at the win over Kansas and say, well, they had OG Ananobi for that game and they had this Curtis Jones who put up 15 points and they don't have either of those players now uh, heading into the tournament because, I mean, that we haven't seen that Curtis outside of a couple of flashes. And again, given what he showed, what he was in high school, what he thought we could be, his 
lack of progression is just really disappointing. And, you know, I have no idea if you put that on him, if that's a, a coach thing, um, you know, what that is, because we're not in practice and, and we don't see a lot of that. Um, but either way, whatever the reasons are, it's just, it's disappointing. Uh, and it's disheartening to see a guy just look like he's, I don't know if disinterested is the right word, but just kind of sad to be out there playing basketball. Um, and so I hope something good can happen for him over these last few games because as Indiana goes down the stretch now, I mean, Andy, I don't know if you're planning on doing any NIT bracketology, but that's where Indiana is right now, kind of on the NIT bubble. Um, and so you're not playing for real high stakes, but that doesn't mean that the games are meaningless. And I actually think that one of the maybe under the radar you know, issues that that is something that you can really look for over these last few games is can Curtis Jones get anything positive going, you know, to take with him into the offseason and to help propel him for a sophomore year because his arrow has been pointing downward, you know, and and it's, you know, the it's just disappointing because I think we all had higher hopes for him. Um, any thoughts, Andy, on that or uh, NIT bracketology? Take your Absol- I'm absolutely not doing NIT bracketology. I'm, I'm, Why not? To, that's where the money is, man. That's, if I stoop to that level, I don't. I don't know. If I if I get engaged in that, I feel like a, a divorce might be coming my way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk to Jen and ask her. So, what do you think about NIT bracketology? Yeah, for this that's year? that's probably think? not a probably not a good move for anybody. Um, I think yeah. I mean, Jones. I I would agree. I mean, I thought he played him, uh, you know, a decent amount of minutes in the second half. Uh, in overtime, but I don't know that he, you know, actually what I'm looking at here, he was plus seven and, you know, nine plus minutes after, uh, after halftime. So I, I, you know, it's one of those where the plus minus sometimes lines up with what you see. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, he did hit a, you know, hit a three, uh, late in the game, you know, at the end when it didn't really matter. Um, so nice to see him get one in, but yeah, just some, uh, just se- sequences where, you know, took taking deep threes, um, and, and just over dribbling, uh, in a in a really really bad way, and I thought you know Devonte Green played a little bit better late in the game, but I thought he struggled as well, and it, it really got to a point where it's like you know you got to put those guys in, you've got foul trouble, but I, I just don't um, you know I, I don't feel like you had any reason based on how they played tonight to expect you know good things to happen once they got on the court, and I think um, Devonte's probably had a little bit more success, so I don't think you see quite the same you know body language and things like that, but yeah, I mean I, I see what you're uh, you're mentioning with Curtis, and I think it's you know just a function of uh, you know things haven't really gone his way. hasn't shot the ball well, um, and needs to find other ways to really get himself going. I think it was the you know, Michigan State game I want to say where he really was um, active and just you know kind of have this picture in my head of him just beating everybody to this loose ball, just like a dart. And and you just I don't feel like you've seen that at all, um, you know, since that game, and and certainly not in long stretches. And that uh, you know maybe he's hitting that freshman wall. Uh, not really sure what the what the cause is, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of seeing the same thing that you are. And sometimes it's hard to tell if a guy is disinterested and not playing with energy, or if he's just overthinking everything to a point where he's almost playing like a quarter step slow. And I I, I don't I can't really tell uh, with Curtis just watching from you know from my vantage point watching TV. But either way, it hasn't been good uh, and it hasn't showed progress, and that's what you want to see uh, from freshmen, especially this late in the season. Um, All right, gentlemen, let's get to last call. Uh, We will do that next. Uh, Before we do, I do want to remind you that last call is brought to you by our friends at Yogi's Bar and Grill in Bloomington, where you get 10% off of your food during Indiana basketball games. Yes, that's 10% off your entire food order during IU games at Yogi's. Uh, Obviously, you have a game coming up Saturday at Northwestern. So if you can't go to that game, 
Go to Yogi's, watch the game, eat food, get 10% off. You can do it for the Purdue game. You can do it for the Ohio State game as well. Uh, just tell them that the assembly call sent you and then stick around after the game because the assembly call IU post game show is broadcast live right there at Yogi's. You can see the video. You can hear the audio. Uh, celebrate a potential victory or commiserate a loss with us on the assembly call and do so at Yogi's because the assembly call always goes down better with a nice cold beer. Uh, so anyway, last call is next. Stick with us. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am your host, Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, commiserating after another Indiana loss as the Hoosiers lose 96-90. to 90. Uh, I just saw IDS column by Greg Gottfried. Uh, IU basketball doesn't care. Why should we? Um, the headline uh, is the Hoosiers loss, and that's a good thing. So this is where we're at. And I know... You know, several people have kind of asked me that, you know, I think someone tweeted to me, like, let's be completely honest here. It's better for Indiana to just lose out so that a change is made. Uh, I yeah. personally, well, hey, we got to get a better draft pick. It's well, <laughs> you know, look, I, I understand the thinking there because I know people are frustrated and they want to change and they just want to do whatever will hasten that change. Like, I get it. And I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I just, I can't ascribe to that because anytime Indiana's out on the floor, I want them to win. And I just, I don't believe that stacking up more losses is going to be a good thing. And I, I also don't think that anything that can happen the rest of this season is really going to materially change the decision at the end of the year because of what has stacked up over the last four years. Um, I just, I don't think so. Like maybe if you were clamoring for this change in 2014, you know, after they had just made the Sweet 16 and won the Big Ten title, then maybe you need just a total collapse to push your guy out the door. So I don't think it's necessary and I just don't think it's good. And I'll never be able to bring myself to root against Indiana. Even if you can make a rational argument that the ends justify the means, I can't buy into it from an emotional standpoint. And I frankly don't really agree with it from a rational standpoint because it's Indiana basketball. And the minute that the expectation and the hope isn't to win every single time out, then we have a problem. Indiana is a program that needs to act like an alpha dog and act like it's Indiana basketball. And I think that's been part of the problem is we've spent too much time acting like an underdog um, and thinking like an underdog. And I just don't think that's good for the long-term health of the program. Root, if you're a real fan, you root for your team every time out, regardless of what you think the consequences will be. I'm sorry. You root for your team. Uh, like like I jokingly said, we're not like tanking for a better draft pick here, folks. It's it's not going to change the decision at the end of the year if Indiana doesn't win these next three games. Uh, the decision is likely in a process. And like we said earlier in this in this. Uh, on this show, it, let people know, let the administration know how you feel about the expectations for this program. That's not going to change over the next three games. You root for your team to win because you want to see them win because those kids are wearing the name Indiana on their jersey, uh, regardless of who the coach is or what the situation is. So, you know, that that's what I would say. I, I just think that you're a fan of a team, then you're a fan of the team and you root for them. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to have their thoughts on that. So, those are ours. Uh, gentlemen, let's go to last call. Try and sum up another disappointing uh, night of Indiana basketball. Andy, over to you first. Well, I at least won't need to entertain any thoughts that you may have about IU still having a chance to... Uh, you won't have to humor you as you put it on Twitter today about chances that IU would be able to turn this around. So, but what if we, we win out? Like, seriously. No, stop Northwestern, it. Stop it. At Purdue. <laughs> stop. stop it. Stop. Stop. Don't do this to yourself. You're embarrassing yourself. Stop Cut it. his mic off. <laughs> No, I mean, uh, I guess since um, in the effort to find anything positive uh, and since I will not be uh, at the show on uh, on Saturday night, you know, I think 
you know, look forward to, to hearing Colin Hartman's thoughts after the, you know, in the, in the senior day uh, or senior night festivities and, and certainly wish him all the best and thank him for his contributions to the program. Uh, I don't know what difference he would have made this year. It certainly would have made it better. Uh, and there are a lot of ways where I feel like a guy with his skill set and, and just general awareness on the defensive end would have been, uh, you know, a huge benefit to this team and some of the issues that we see uh, today. We'll, we'll never really know how much a difference that would have made, but, uh, you know, certainly wish all the best for him. And uh, as he, you know, goes through the, the senior night festivities, and surely that will be an emotional moment for him and, and probably even more so just because he didn't really get to play out his senior season. So, um, you know, hope for a, a good warm reception, as you said. People need to, uh, certainly to be there, support the team, support him, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll be back at it, you know, after that game, and we'll we'll be eager to see how it goes. And you know, three games left in the season, uh, we'll we'll be here. Some combination of us for every one of them. We're not uh, giving up on it yet by any means. We'll just probably have different things to talk about than we hope we would at this standpoint. But uh, it is what it is. But thanks to Colin for everything that he's uh, given to IU basketball. And Mr. Phillips, over to you. Last call. Do not talk yeah, about the refs. I won't. Uh, I said I'd, I'd talk about it at the beginning, and that's it. Um, I would just urge everyone to show up on Saturday night. If you have a ticket, go. Uh, students, uh, regular, everyday fans. If if you don't have a ticket, look online. Pull it up. Uh, Colin Hartman Seat deserves geek. a deserves a, a, a yeah Seat Geek. Look at look on Seat Geek. Uh, Colin Hartman deserves a really warm welcome. He's had a rough career at Indiana from an injury standpoint, but the guy always worked hard on and off the floor. Um, he was a big part of that team last year that won a Big Ten title. Uh, he would have been the leader of this team, and it's sad that he he won't get to he didn't get to do that. Um, you know, it was sort of one of those things where we were all waiting for for him to emerge as a leader because we knew he would be. Um, so I would just say show up, give that guy some love. Uh, it'll be a positive you can take away from this season, if nothing else, uh, would be that you get to cheer on a guy like like Colin Hartman, uh, let him know that he's loved and he's a member of this program and a member of the, the Hoosier family forever. And uh, no one can take that away from him, even if he didn't get his senior season. So uh, I would just say that, yeah, everybody should show up to that game. I know this isn't the basketball you want to watch, uh, this isn't the way you want your team to be playing, uh, but Colin Hartman deserves a, a good senior day and a good ovation, and, and he deserves uh, some, you know, love from the fans on that day as much as anyone. And by the way, we've always done our post game show after uh, the senior speeches to respect uh, that moment, and obviously not be talking through it. And so my assumption is that we will do that again uh, for the Northwestern game. So after the senior speeches, we will go live uh, with the assembly call. IU postgame show, you know, and on your guys note about Colin Hartman, and I wholeheartedly agree. I know the team is struggling and there's not a whole lot of meaning uh, to this game outside of uh, Northwestern's NCAA tournament chances. Um, but, I, but I think if you can get there and if you can cheer on Colin Hartman, do so. And I will also say this, and, and some of you may not like this, you know, I think I've been pretty clear that I think it's time for a change of direction for Indiana basketball. I just, I think we've seen what's behind door number one. It's been a good nine years, but it is absolutely reasonable. Uh, and in fact, I think necessary for Indiana fans to de demand more than missing the NCAA tournament two out of four years and having the recurring issues that we've had. And I think it's time to see if someone else can take the resources of this program and take it to the next level. Uh, and that's not to denigrate anything that Tom Crean has done at Indiana. It is obviously to display a lack of confidence in what he may do in the future. But I think given that and given the chatter that you hear and just given the realities of the situation, 
there's a chance that Tom Crean is coaching his last game at Simon Scott Assembly Hall on Saturday. Uh, and I would just suggest to everybody to be intentional uh, with how you treat that moment because it can be very easy in a moment like this to boo the coach and to express your frustrations to the coach. And I would just say, you know, I hope that the show that we do here and the chat that we have and, and this kind of hour that we take after the games kind of helps us all blow off some steam and sending a tweet here and there helps to do that. But I do think it's important to remember, you know, that Tom Crean is a man and he has a family and whatever failures or shortcomings he may have as the Indiana coach, it hasn't been for lack of caring, for lack of work ethic, for lack of trying to fulfill the role of Indiana basketball coach to the best of his ability from the academic side to the way he has treated recruiting and trying to be by the book. I know his style of, of basketball doesn't, isn't everybody's cup of tea from an Indiana fan standpoint, but he has, you know, in some seasons given us an entertaining brand of basketball delivered some good moments. And so, you know, I would just say if this relationship ends, this to me is not a relationship that should end with acrimony or in a bitter divorce with two sides walking away from each other, not even able to speak or look at each other. And with anger, this is a relationship that should end with a hug and maybe a simple acknowledgement that both sides tried their best and it just didn't work. And so I just think if if, if it is Tom Crane's last game Saturday, and obviously we don't know that, so you know you can't necessarily treat it like that because who knows what the future holds. But I would just say, let's not have a reaction to our coach uh, that we might regret later or that isn't commensurate with the effort and the care and the passion with which he has undertaken his duties as IU basketball coach. It hasn't achieved the success that we've wanted. There's no question. All of your frustration at that, at the results, is warranted. But let's remember that it's not just a coach, a cartoon character out there that we see on TV. It's a man who has tried really hard. And I, you know, again, I, I know I, I come at this, you know, from the son of a coach, having seen this on the other side and how these moments impact the actual men that are that are out there in the arena. Uh, and I just think as fans, it would be a much better look for us and actually much more reasonable to appreciate the effort, even while we're frustrated by the results. Um, and to treat that accordingly. Not saying the man deserves a standing ovation by any means, and not saying that you want to be fake about it, but be honest, be real, and be reasonable about it. Um, and yeah, that's so that's all I would say. Um, and have a great time on Saturday. Hopefully it's a win. Uh, senior night is always a special night, one of the great traditions in Indiana basketball. Uh, and it's the last home game. And it hasn't been a good season, but it's the last chance to watch these Indiana Hoosiers play for 40 minutes. Uh, so go out cheer loud, and by all means, let's end the season on a high note at home because there's no excuse ever to lose a home game at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And at least if we can do something at the end of this season to build some momentum for next year, let's get a winning streak going at home, uh, which is how it should always be. All right, thank you all very much for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. We will be with you after the senior speeches on Saturday. That is uh, an 8 o'clock Eastern start. The game is on the Big Ten Network. Uh, we will talk to you then, and we will talk to you on Assembly Call Radio before that. So we will uh, obviously take another look at IU basketball, maybe look ahead to that Northwestern game. Uh, but until then, have a great couple of days. We'll talk to you soon.
Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Real estate agents have the power to adjust their client's approval letter amount in real time using Rocket Pro Insight. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate. Offer cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLS Consumer Access dot org number 33. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.